podcast one production. We live in a world where we all carry incredibly powerful computers around with us everywhere. Ten years ago, Steve Jobs launched Apple's first iPhone and the whole world changed, but we're just getting started. G'day, I'm Mark Pesci. The coming next billion seconds are the most important in human history as smartphones transform the way we live and work. In this special episode, which we're recording on my own iPhone 6S Plus, we're going to take a look at Apple's brand new iPhone 8 and iPhone 10. They can tell us a lot about what we've learned and where our smartphones will be taking us over the next billion seconds. Let me open with a story about my first visit to Australia 20 years ago. I had some friends in Sydney and through some email exchanges managed to arrange an evening of nightclubbing. We were all supposed to rendezvous in front of Sydney's gigantic IMAX theatre at Darling Harbour at 6pm sharp. I was there at the appointed hour, so were about half of my friends. Okay, so what could we do? Should we wait who knows how long for the rest of our party to join us, or just move and hope that they'd catch up with us later? Well, at that point, something unexpected happened. Someone pulled a mobile out of their pocket and called one of the missing folks, told them where to meet us, and so we left. Crisis resolved. Now, that seems absolutely insignificant today, so trivial we don't even take note of it. But for me, at the time, it was a revelation. By 1997, Australia had crossed a critical threshold where enough folks owned mobiles that it became possible to reach people instantly. And in America, that wouldn't happen for a few more years. I was living on the far side of a gap that Australia had already crossed. And the world was different. No one was out of the loop. And these days, no one is ever late, just delayed. If you don't get a text from someone that they're going to be delayed, well, they're either being a bit rude or they've run out of battery. We expect that now. We expect to know. We expect to be able to find out within a few minutes where the folks are that we care about and what they're up to. Okay, come forward a decade. It's 2006. I'm on the panel for the second series of ABC's The New Inventors. The host, James O'Loughlin, was talking to the studio audience, warming them up before we taped the program. And it was about this time that the ABC had started to introduce me as a futurist. That's a title that I'd never used. But James, he got right into it. He turned to me and in front of 200 people said, Mark, give us a prediction. Now, here's the thing. You want a prediction, you go to a psychic. Don't go to a futurist. We don't do predictions. We tell you what's going to happen because the seeds of the future are visible in the present. But I was on the spot in front of a live studio audience, so I thought fast. Okay. In five years' time, I replied, you'll be using your mobiles ten times more than you do today. Now, you could almost hear the audience gasp when I said it. They knew how much they already fumbled with their feature phones tapping out messages. They knew how much they both hated and loved them. And they knew in their hearts they were up for more. Now, that was months before Steve Jobs walked out onto a stage in San Francisco and revealed what he and Apple had been working on for years, the iPhone. And if you go back and watch that launch video for the iPhone, it's on YouTube. You'll see the features that Jobs emphasizes. They're things that we really don't care about anymore. I mean, sure, the iPhone makes great calls, but who makes calls? 
Voice used to be king, but with the smartphone, messaging took the lead. We type, we text, but we don't talk, at least not as much as we used to. And he only spends about two minutes out of an hour talking about Mobile Safari, the app that put the web into everyone's hands everywhere. Now, I reckon that Mobile Safari is the most important innovation in the entire history of computers because everything that was slow and hard and tied to a place was suddenly effortless and everywhere and in the palm of your hand all the time. I've already shared how the smartphone ruined pub trivia, made it too easy for everyone to become a know-it-all. The mobile web, plus Google, plus Wikipedia, made that happen. And again, we don't even think about this anymore. We just expect that we have all human knowledge in our pockets or in our hands all the time. That's just the way things are. Now, the iPhone of 2007, it's not very much like the iPhone 8 or the iPhone 10. Outwardly, it looks the same, but that's because the way our fingers work and our ears and our eyes work, that hasn't changed in the last decade. But underneath, it's different. The first iPhone didn't have an app store, just six apps that Apple baked in, things like a clock and messenger and mobile Safari. Not bad, but not a whole lot. The average person uses nearly 30 apps across a given month and probably has two or three times that number installed on their smartphone. Each of those apps turns the smartphone into something else, something unique and fit to purpose. It might be banking, it might be dating, it might be gaming. Well, it depends on who you are and what you do. Because no matter who you are, there'll be some app that will help you be better at what you do. Now, I write a lot, so I'm really happy that I have Google Docs on my iPhone. It comes with me everywhere so that I can write anywhere. Our apps are heaps better than they were just a few years ago because a bad app gets ignored. It's survival of the fittest in the App Store. Plus, the phones are heaps better. The new iPhone 8 is about 50 times faster than the first iPhone, 50 times. The screen has 10 times as many pixels, so everything looks clear and bright. The wireless broadband, that's nearly a thousand times faster than the first iPhone. And here's the thing, no one really cared about the speed of mobile broadband before an iPhone because no one really used it. We only cared that our calls didn't drop and our texts got delivered. Well, now we want all of the bits as fast as we can get them delivered. And amazingly, with all of those upgrades, the battery in the new iPhone lasts longer. Now, here's a funny story. Back when the iPhone came out, the biggest mobile manufacturer in the world was Nokia. You remember them? You probably owned a Nokia mobile at some point because they made billions of them. But the executives at Nokia, they just couldn't believe that folks would use a smartphone that had to be charged all day long to keep going. They just, they could not believe people would do that. But people love their iPhones so much, they charged them at their desks, they charged them on their bedstands, they charged them everywhere. So the battery didn't matter much. Nokia just didn't understand that a smartphone was something people would come to love with a passion. So Nokia, the biggest mobile company in the world, it imploded and it left the world to Apple and Google. Now in about three years time, about 2020, five billion adults will be using smartphones. That's 80% of all of the adults on the planet. And not just in the rich countries, but India and Africa and every other corner. 
Not because people like toys, but because in the developing world, a smartphone is a great tool to make money. People trade with their smartphones, send and receive money with their smartphones, run whole businesses from their smartphones, and they do well enough by them that they can afford the $50 or $100 for a basic smartphone, which is a lot of money, maybe a month's income in some corners of the world. But here, where the new iPhones cost $1,000, that new iPhone X could cost up to $2,000, why would you buy one? Are they really that good? Well, all of them have Apple's new Wizzy A11 chip, so they'll be nice and snappy. They have fantastic displays, and the iPhone X has an OLED, organic LED display. That's the same kind of display that you see in those gorgeous tellies that cost $5,000, with blacks so black they just drink in the light. It's the nicest display that has ever been on any model of smartphone. But both the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 have something else as well. With their new front-facing cameras and software designed to change lighting, they're the ultimate selfie machines. You can take a photo in any sort of light, and the iPhone is smart enough and fast enough to make that selfie look very professional. Because let's face it, we take a lot of selfies. For the first few generations of iPhone, that forward-facing camera, it wasn't very good. Now it's probably better than the rear camera if you're taking a selfie. And then there's Face ID, which is only on the iPhone X. That's an amazing bit of tech that some of you probably first saw in a device called the Kinect. The Kinect is an Xbox peripheral that actually sees your body, tracks your body, and puts your body inside a video game. It shines thousands of invisible infrared dots onto your body and tracks them with its cameras, working out where you are and how far away you are. Apple liked that tech so much, four years ago it bought the company that created it. And for the last four years, they've been working hard to shrink that technology. A Kinect is bigger than several smartphones put together. They've shrunk it into a tight 30 millimeter wide bar across the top of the iPhone 10 screen. It's all of the same tech crammed into about one thousandth the volume. It's incredible. There's never been anything like it. And yes, you can unlock your iPhone 10 with your face, even pay with your face in a fraction of a second. It's said to be 20 times more secure than a fingerprint. It might be. Time will tell on that. But it's just the beginning because that face scanning camera, which is known as True Depth, it opens the door to all sorts of other things, including augmented reality. Now, lots of folks first had an experience of augmented reality last year when Pokemon Go became the biggest mobile game in history. Millions of people stared into their smartphones, seeing creatures to capture seamlessly blended into the world around them. That mixing of the real and computer generated, that is augmented reality. And it's coming to every iPhone 6S, iPhone 7, iPhone 8, and iPhone 10 with the release of iOS 11. But the new iPhones, they're specially designed for augmented reality. Point a camera at a table. That table becomes a Minecraft world on the screen of your smartphone. Point it at the sky, reveal a hidden rainbow. Point it at the wall and it lets you know exactly how far it is from wall to wall, as if you were using a tape measure. It's very early days for augmented reality, but we're going to find more uses for it than anyone can yet imagine. It will allow us to write over the real world, add to it, even take away the bits we don't like. It's going to change the way we see the world over the next billion seconds. And that's the point here. We're just getting started. Smartphones are a decade old, and we're still finding entirely new ways they can help us. We have a long way to go. We're learning. 
because we had no idea what to do with the smartphone when we first got them. Even Steve Jobs only had a vague idea. Apple, Apple's been running along as fast as they can just trying to keep up. The future of the smartphone, it's in our hands. What do we want to do with it today? What do we need it to do for us? These are the questions we need to ask so the smartphone becomes the tool we really need. I hope this chat about the new iPhones has got you to thinking. If so, we'd like to hear from you. Drop by our Facebook page, send us a message on Twitter, visit our website at nextbillionseconds.com. Tell us what you want to know about the future and we'll do our best to bring it to you in a future episode. In the next episode of The Next Billion Seconds, we'll be talking to John Alsop. At the halfway point in this series, it's time to reflect on what we've learned. That's the next time on The Next Billion Seconds. The Next Billion Seconds is recorded for Podcast One. Recording and production assistance is provided by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Nick Slater. Music by Kirk Godfrey. Proudly recorded using a Rode mic on my Apple iPhone 6S. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or the Podcast One app. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening.